Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted to be with you this morning, to be coming into the presence of our God, to bring him honor and glory, to open the word together. We're excited to just be able to spend this time. So if it's your first time with us, or maybe it's your first time back in a long time, a special, special welcome to you. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Bethany. I'm the worship director here, and it's a privilege to be with you today. If you're joining us online from wherever the Lord has you today, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. We want you to feel connected from wherever you are. So I encourage you to take part in the chat throughout the service. We have online hosts who are here for you. They'd love to answer your questions, and they'd love to pray with you. So use that request prayer button over on the right-hand side. And you'll go into a one-on-one chat with one of our hosts. They would love to lift up whatever is on your heart this morning. Again, we want you to feel a part of what the Lord is doing in this place, no matter where you are or what you are going through today. Well, I'd love to invite you, as you are able to stand in body or in spirit this morning, for our call to worship. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 62. And we do a call to worship each and every week because we want to be reminded that we do not come into a place of worship and cry out to God and demand that he come and he comes at our beckoning, right? We come to worship because he invites us, because he calls us. So we read from his word. And so this morning, our call to worship comes from his word, from Psalm 62. And it says this, says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Let's pour out our hearts to him and worship together this morning. Let's lift our voices together. Sing Father of Mercy. Father of Mercy, King of all kings, even in darkness I will sing, I will sing, cause I've been set free, running out of the grave, set free, all my sin washed away, set free, breaking out of the Oh, 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 my soul, oh, 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 my soul. 
moment we're going to take communion, um, and if you are a believer, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your resurrected king, we'll invite you to come up during this next song and grab the bread and the cup. Um, if, if you are unable to come up, we also have volunteers in the back. If you look back at them and raise your hand, they can bring it to you. Um, but as we prepare for communion, and as you prepare at home, make sure you have the stuff, um, I, I want to tell you, I, we're talking about rest today, um, and, and we're just going to reflect on the rest that we can have when we consider Jesus and put him above all and before all. And what an amazing gift. And the only reason we can do that is because he came 
because he allowed his body to be broken. He allowed his blood to be shed. And so we meet today, some almost 2,000 years later, to, to reflect on and rejoice in and rest in the promises we have in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the hope we have in you. We thank you for the peace we have in you. We thank you that we can rest in you because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you that as we come together to celebrate communion, as we celebrate your body broken and your blood shed, we thank you that that was not the end of the story, but you rose and you reigned on your throne of glory. And we thank you that you invite us to be a part of your kingdom now, today, in this moment, and for all eternity. And we, we confess, Lord, it is hard to rest in your promises. It is hard to remember you in all things, but we rejoice that you've given us your spirit, that as we gather, we, and, and as we are alone in every moment of our lives, you are with us. And we pray that we would rest in that truth. We pray as we come forward, as we consider the bread broken, and, and consider it as, as your body was broken and consider the, the cup and, and your blood that was shed. We pray we would do this in remembrance of you and that we would rest in you and your promises. It's in your name we pray. time during this next song to receive communion. Receive the elements, take them back to your seats, and take them as the Lord leads you.
come before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, that is our hope. It's our only hope. <laughs> and Father, we hold on to that with everything we have. And maybe this morning everything we have is not very much. Maybe we're coming in um, with loaves and fish. We don't feel like we have much to offer you this morning. We don't have much faith. We don't have much strength. We really don't feel like we have much to bring you. And yet, your power is made perfect in our weakness. Your word tells us that that is when you show up, is when we acknowledge and admit our frailty and our humanness and our brokenness and our weakness and our incompleteness before you. We thank you that in Christ we are actually set free from all that hinders us, from all that burdens us, from all that causes us to fear the future. We are set free. Our chains are gone. And so we stand in the tension of already and not yet, knowing that our chains are gone and yet still grappling with the reality that we still kind of feel them <laughs> in this life. We grapple with difficulty, with heartache, with brokenness and sin. So we bring our whole selves to you because we frankly don't know what else to do. We bring everything. Heavenly Father, we lay it at your feet this morning and ask you to do what you will, to take us and shape us and mold us and make something better, make something new. Make us like Jesus. Show us who we're meant to be in you. Show us who we already are in your eyes. Maybe there are some in this room or who are watching who haven't yet stepped into their identity in you who don't know what it means to have a relationship with a God who loves them. Father, will you draw them? Holy Spirit, right now, make them aware that there is a God who loves them. Every fiber of their being is created to be in relationship with you. Will you draw them to yourself today? Draw each one of us to yourself in a deeper way that we might know you more fully that we might leave behind our sin more completely today. That we might step more fully into the kingdom people you have created us to be. Father, all of this is for you. Everything we do here, every word, every note, every breath, it's for you or it's wasted. Holy Spirit, do your work in us, we pray. We are desperate. We are so desperate for you to do your work here. We love you. We love you. We love you. We offer this to you in the matchless name of Christ Jesus, our King. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, good morning, Springbrook. I hope you're all having a good morning. My name is Andy Suarez. Um, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I, I hope I do get a chance to meet you. If you see me out there, just say, hey, Andy, and then I'll look at you with that weird face that I'm like, should I know this person's name? Because they know my name, and I don't really know who this is. And then I'll just talk to you like I know your name, and hopefully I'll ask your name eventually. <laughs> so 
I don't know why I went into that, but that was what I was thinking there. Um, it's great to have you here today. Um, I'm so glad that you guys took time out. It's so important that we take time out to be together in community, to worship God. Um, there's people here, there's people online, there's people that are going to be listening to this during the week or maybe watching this online. And I'm just really glad that you made the time um, to just to join us in this time. Um, you, we have a connections card. Uh, if you're watching online, it's at the top of the screen. If you're here with us in person, there's a little white slip uh, on the row that you're sitting in. Um, feel free to share with us as much information as you'd like to. There's room on there for prayer requests. Um, if you have a prayer request or a praise, uh, our prayer team would love to pray for that. Um, if, you, if we mention anything that you might want some more information on, you can make a little note of that and we'll get back a hold of you or get in contact with you. So go ahead and do that. Um, if you are in the service, you can drop that in the little black box as you're walking out of the room. There's one at the, at the back as you're walking out, and there's also one in the atrium. We have a few events that are coming up. We have our VBS. Uh, it's coming up in June. So it's June 6th through the 10th, and I was just talking with Michelle about it. Um, we're still looking for volunteers, but praise God, we've actually had some good, good amount of people volunteering, but there is still openings. Um, if it's on your heart to help out with that, we'd love to have you um, voice that and let us know so that we can, we can contact you about it. You can get information about it at springbrook.org slash VBS. Uh, please, if you have kids and you're planning on coming, register. Um, if you have kids and they have friends, let them know about it. Or maybe you have people that have kids on social media. It might be a good thing to post to let them know about what's going on here at Springbrook with the VBS. Um, so you can find out more about that at springbrook.org slash VBS. Uh, we have our um, starting point class that's coming up. You can find out about that at springbrook.org slash connect. This is a Zoom workshop. It's a two-week workshop. It's good for people that are either, if you're brand new to Springbrook, or maybe you've been here a while, but you're not, you haven't really plugged in or gotten involved, or maybe you're looking to become a member here at Springbrook. All of those things are a good thing for this class. Uh, so springbrook.org slash connect. It's a two-week workshop. It's on the 25th, and then I think seven days after that would probably be the 1st of June. Um, so you can find out more information there. You can register there, and you can um, get the Zoom link also. I um, want to mention our app. Uh, if you don't have our app, all of the things that we just talked about and probably some of these wonderful graphics that are on these slides um, are all on the app. And you can find out information there. We have our event calendar there. We kind of post information about what's going on also. Um, and so if you don't have that, you can search for it. But why search for it? You can just send a text to 77977 and we'll send you a link for it. It makes it that much easier. So uh, feel free to do that. If you don't have the app, go ahead and get that. Um, we're going to watch a quick video, and then Matt will be coming out in just a minute. Have a good morning. Hello, everyone. Good morning. So, thank you. Um, well, I need to start with something. Um, I'm underdressed, and we're talking about rest today, and so I need to explain to you what my last week was, and I hope you can see the reflection of snot. Um, <laughs> I don't have a picture of Lucy that is cute enough and sick-looking enough to show her um, but we have had a miserable couple weeks, and especially the last week, 
last night there was a point where I was like, oh, I need to iron a shirt for church tomorrow and probably pants. And I will be honest, when I say I need to, I mean I need to let Jess know um, because Jess is good at that. Um, I'm not good at tucking my shirt in. How on earth could I? Um, prob- but so long story short, we made the choice last night that since I'm talking about rest, I could look a little more relaxed today. Um, Levi has been up every night throwing up, um, but then during the day he's good. I did talk to my doctor. I was cleared to be here, so I'm not just being flippant this morning, but I am wearing a mask. Um, and if you, if you think about it, be praying for Jess because um, she's home alone with the kids today. Um, it's been a long week, but it's been a really good week. Um, and, and we're going to jump in. We're, we're in the book of Hebrews, um, and the book of Hebrews is a wonderful book. I, before I go any further, I want to say, if you missed Tim's sermon last week, you should definitely listen to it, because the book of Hebrews is this wonder, I, I, I don't even know how many wonderful things to say about it. It's this book about how Jesus is superior. What is he superior to? The angels, Moses, any earthly high priest, to, to anything and everything we could ever encounter. Jesus is greater. And not only that, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And so when we, when we come to the book of Hebrews, we need to recognize a few things. And, and Tim and Rich have talked about this, but we're in the middle of a, like, something that's basically a sermon. And so I'm in Hebrews 4 today, but we were just in Hebrews 3. And so when we jump in, we're jumping in in the middle of a thought. And you might say, well, well Matt, why didn't you just have someone preach 3 and 4? Or why didn't you just have, why didn't you organize this different? And the problem is the other side of Hebrews. Um, the book of Hebrews assumes that you all know a whole lot about Hebrews. And by that, I mean Old Testament stuff. And, and so we're going to talk about, not today, praise the Lord, but we're going to talk about Melchizedek. We're going to talk about the temple structure. The, we're going to talk about all these things. And we've been talking about all these things that come from Genesis through Deuteronomy are the undergirding of all of Hebrews. And so if we tried to just like do these big units of thought, we'd spend the whole time talking about the Old Testament. And then you'd be like, weren't we in the New Testament? And it just, whew, there's just so much there. And it's wonderful, but, but we've got to kind of break it out. We've got to be aware of how much is going on. And so I am very excited for today. If you have your Bible, open up to Hebrews 4. We're going to be in verses 1 through 13 of chapter 4. Um, and it, it starts with a therefore, which if you've been paying attention this year, we've mentioned a lot. Whenever we see a therefore, we should ask, what's the therefore, therefore? And it's because it's tied to the earlier things, which I just talked about, what Tim talked about last week. When we start today, we're in the middle of a discussion, and, and we've made a big point, and now we're starting to make the next point in it. We're making a discussion or having a discussion about the Israelites who God, through Moses, led out of Egypt. They crossed the river or the Red Sea, or the Reed Sea, different, oh, not for now, but they crossed the sea, and then they wandered the wilderness 40 years and never entered the rest that God had promised them in the promised land. And why? Because they were fearful. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But whenever we see let, like, like she failed for, we're, we're, we're talking about a bunch of things. And so I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to jump in. I am very excited and very tired. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, 
But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed entered that rest, as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also entered from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you reign. We thank you that you sent your son, that he was a better Moses, that um, the way Moses led the people through the wilderness, Jesus leads us into the promised land. We pray that today, as we hear your voice, we would respond and we would not harden our hearts. I pray we would not be those to whom you say, they will not enter my rest. I pray for those here that don't know you, that as they hear the message today, they would respond to your voice and to all of us who do know you, that we would do the same. I pray we would step forward in obedience and that we would enjoy your rest now and that we would look to eternity when we will fully understand what we already have I pray that your spirit would be speaking, that these would be your words and not mine. I pray you would give us all ears to hear. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I have to confess to all of you, um, as we jump in, when I got assigned this passage, I read this verse. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I said, I know what I'm going to talk about, the Bible, right? Right? I mean, you, you guys have probably, if, if you're a social media user at all, you've probably seen images like this, where it's either a, like a Bible, or it's a sword, or sometimes it's lemons cut in half. Um, I'm giggling about this, everybody. I'm sorry. When you Google image Hebrews 4.12, this is one, two, three, four, five, six. Number seven is a lemon cut in half. Um, and we may criticize this one, but I also want to point out, it says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, so we're showing something not as sharp as it in all the sword ones, so those ones aren't right. Also, at, at the point we're in, they probably didn't have a, a leather-bound Bible, so it probably isn't that either. Um, but, but I started thinking, I'm going to talk about the Word of God. Yeah, I, I think the lemon picture's funny. We'll get back to that. Um, for the, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I, I listen to that, and I say, okay, I know in the book of Ephesians, we're told to have the sword, right? So right now, this is a sword 
that I get to wield, and we're going to talk about this, and I can rest because I can use this to defend my... Nope, not at all. Because if we go one verse further, and I had never done this before, it says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, whose sight? God's sight. God who is the word. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And all of the sudden, I understand, I am the lemon. The word of God is a sword that is being used on us. It's living and active. It's sharper than anything. It cuts the bone, the marrow, the soul, the spirit. It's being used on us. We are being shorn by it. That's old English, shorn like with a weapon, like a lemon cut in half. But, but the, the important thing here is we need to recognize it's being used on us in a conversation that is somehow about rest. That's kind of confusing. Um, I don't like thinking, oh, how restful it will be when somebody stabs me. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And right away, you might be thinking, no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Well, the ones who fall by disobedience are the ones who are going to get the sword. But no, no, no. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so somehow, in some way, as we talk about rest today, we are talking about the Word of God. And, and that, that Word of God language, we right away take it to the Bible, or we say it's Jesus, but we're talking about an audience that, that the author would have thought, they know Genesis through Deuteronomy. When they think about the Word of God, they think about the action of God. They think about God in movement. They think about the whole of God tied to his work in humanity. When we read the word became flesh and dwelt among us, it's tied, and that's in John 1, when we read that, it's tied to this picture of the whole of God. And, and so here, the whole of God is living and active. And somehow we're going to use that being cut by it as a way to have rest. And so I have four questions. These were the four questions that popped into my head as I read the passage a few times. The first one, what is that rest? What rest are we talking about? The second thing, how can we strive and have rest? Those seem very opposite to me. I don't like the idea of I am going to strive and also be resting, but am I doing it right if I'm striving, but I already have it, but I don't? I, I think that those two are very opposite in our modern framework. The next thing, why is that rest tied to the word of God piercing deeper than a sword? Like, why, why do we have to do that? And finally, how do we enter that rest? We're going to look at these four questions. And so we got to start with what is that rest? And to do this, we have to talk about the word rest in our modern setting and the way we use it. Um, the way I hear it most is when I make funny jokes and my wife says, give it a rest. But um, according to the world, if you just look up what is rest or what does resting look like, it's relaxing, it's sleeping, it's gaming or binge watching, it's vacationing, it's doing what you want to do, it's not doing anything. And finally, and I, I think this could be the top one, but I put it at the bottom for a reason, I'm practicing self-care. That's like a way we talk about rest, right? You need to take care of yourself. Self-care is how we rest. And, and my problem with these is that when I read and I reflect on these, this is how these come to bear in my life, relaxing. I just need to get to the weekend. Sleeping, I just need to get to bed early tonight. Gaming or binge watching, 
I just need to zone out for a while. Vacationing. I just need to get away for a few days. Doing that one that I just forgot. I just need some time to do what I want. Not doing anything. I just need some time to do nothing. Practicing self-care. I just need some time to focus on me for a while. These are how I think about these aspects of rest in my life. Um, I, I laugh right now as I, I write this. It's, it's been a terrible restless week in many ways, but a restful week in, in a good way by the end of the week. But um, our lawn is almost as tall as our children because our, our lawnmower broke at the end of last year. We had to borrow a lawnmower. Um, and then when we, got, when we got a lawnmower on Amazon on sale, and I did not consider I need to build it. Um, when it came in the box. I'm a millennial, okay? So, so, so I, I have to joke about this. But um, so, so just getting to the weekend, I need to mow the lawn, but I need to catch up on work. But I need, and, and so I read all of these, and when I think I just need to focus on me for a while, well, how can I focus on me when I need to mow the lawn? How can I focus on... And, and I have this whole laundry list of things I need to do in the immediate that prevent me from really having time for myself. And I also, I don't think self-care is very useful because if you, self-care is not a bad thing, but self-care with the agenda of I just need to focus on me is probably not a very good thing. And the reason for that is if you start reading different avenues of self-care, I was giggling because I read one that was all about health and self-care is health. And it said, you should not consume alcohol. And I was like, okay. And then there was another one that said, have a drink with your friends. That's the best way to take care of yourself. And then I read another one that said, it's okay to just sit in your room and have a drink by yourself and just reflect. And, and I started to see that kind of pattern. It's okay to be with people. It's okay to get away from people. It's so, and the problem is, the problem is, is that self-care is founded in the idea that the thing that will give me satisfaction is myself. And I promise you, you're not the thing that will give you satisfaction. Or if you are, you have a very low bar. <sighs> I have some fun quotes that are going to make me uncomfortable, and I hope they make you uncomfortable. So whenever I don't know what to preach on or I don't know where to get a quote from, I think C.S. Lewis has probably talked about this. Um, And this week, while sitting with my toddler who was sick, we were reading books. I I flipped open screw tape letters and started reading, and I loved this quote. Now, um, I guess I should explain before I jump in. Um, if you've never heard of the Screwtape Letters, the Screwtape Letters are a fictional work by C.S. Lewis where he imagines an uncle demon named Screwtape writing correspondence letters to his nephew to tell him how to be a better demon. Um, it's, it's very twisted in, in a sense because when we read it, we have to go, wait, this is the opposite of what I should think. But C.S. Lewis is so brilliant in in knowing the sins of humanity, the way in which we live, what motivates us, that he's able to put it in a way that just, I think, lays it bare. And when I think about rest, I think this is the exact perfect way to not have rest. And so it's in the Screwtape Letters. This is the evil demon uncle writing to his nephew. Our business is to get them humans away from the eternal and from the present. With this in view, we sometimes tempt a human, say a widow or a scholar, to live in the past But this is of limited value, for they have some real knowledge of the past, and it has a determinate nature, and to that extent, resembles eternity. It is far better to make them live in the future. 
We want a whole race perpetually in pursuit of the rainbow's end, never honest, nor kind, nor happy now, but always using as mere fuel wherewith to keep the altar of the future every real gift which is offered them in the present. The, the reason that we don't rest is because we don't live in the present at all. We live in the, the what's next. Our, our students Oh man, college is coming for some. Of, it's coming for all of you students. Deal with it. But um, for some of you, for or maybe not. Some of you may not go to college, and that's okay. But but it's coming, and what's coming is this reality that you have to deal with and wrestle with. Of there's something in the future coming, and it. Um, are, there's a, a term called senioritis, where seniors start thinking about their future so much that that last semester of senior year. They go from whatever they were at to, well, I already got into college, so I think I can, right? Like, are you guys aware of, you're all looking at me like, I've never heard of this, but um, you did it probably. If you're me, it was your whole senior year. Um, but I, um, we think about the future, and it allows us to avoid thinking about our present reality. If you want a good example of how Christians do this that we just need to be honest about, um, what is like one of the primary topics as a pastor that I get asked about? Well, did you hear what happened in the news today? Antichrist. Did you hear what happened in the news today over in Jerusalem? That means we're almost in the end times. Which person do you think is the Antichrist? I get asked these questions all the time. And it shows a short-sighted view of the book of Revelation. Most people I know, we did this book last year, and so I don't want to go far into this, but most people I know believe that the rapture happens before the tribulation. And if you believe that, you believe you'll be gone before the Antichrist shows up. And so if you're worried about the Antichrist, you're worried that you're, wow, it doesn't make any sense. But I bring this up right now because here, here is what happens. We start to think about the future and the things outside of our control. And we start to live in that. We start to think, well, how am I going to pay bills? How am I going to do this? The roof on the shed by our house looks like it needs to be repaired or something at some point. And I keep thinking, I wonder when that's actually going to need to happen. I don't know about you guys, but I just keep thinking, well, later. Um, but the, the point is, is we can start to fill our heads with all the things we need to do and lose out on what we're supposed to do in the present. And that's exactly what the enemy wants, that's exactly what leads us away from rest. Because rest is living in the present and fearing the only thing worth fearing, letting everything else fall away. What's really interesting, as I studied out this idea in the Old Testament, um, I couldn't get away from the word fear being tied to rest. Um, and, and when you hear that, I bet a lot of you are like, I don't like this. Um, my wife over and over said, I don't like this about me wearing a hoodie and about rest um, and, and, and fear and, and the tie of it. And, and when we talked about it, though, here's, here's the reality. The, the picture of the Old Testament over and over, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but the picture over and over is do you fear the Lord or do you fear anything else? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge and understanding. The, the biblical picture in the Old Testament and the New Testament is a picture of fear God, let everything else fall away. And if we do that, we don't worry about the future. We worry about right now. We worry about the step right in front of us. And are we going to take it in such a way that shows we are obedient to the Lord as the one to whom we should fear? And we're going to talk about fear more because I know some of you are thinking, I don't like hearing the word fear at all. The other side of this, we need to place our hope in eternity without bogging it down in fears of the future. Um, I, I think this is such a challenging thing, but when we think about eternity, 
We need to think about our place with God at the end of the book of Revelation. We don't need to figure out, all right, what's happening in the middle? We need to, when we read in the middle of Revelation, we need to think about the fact that Jesus is still on the throne. When we read throughout all of Scripture, we need to think about the fact that the promised place that God has for us at the end of Scripture is tied to where we began. It's tied to how we live now, and when we get there, it's going to be so much better than we could imagine, and we need to rest in that hope without thinking, well, how are we going to get there? Because in this life, we know we're not. So that's rest. The next question, how can we strive and have that rest? Because these are opposites, right? Like in, in my mind, they're opposites. I hope in your mind that in English, you're like, these don't fit. Um, but to understand that, we, if we think about ourselves in the present or think about eternity and don't spend our time on the future, if we think about ourselves in the present, it's going to lead us to looking at a picture from the Old Testament that's going to really help here. Okay, so we've been talking about the wilderness, and like Tim talked about this last week, I talked about it in those passages. I lost y'all for a second, that's my fault, I forgot what slide was next, but here we go. When we talk about rest and striving for that rest, and somehow they go together, the place that we need to go is we need to look at the picture of what God promised to the people when he took them out of Egypt. And if we have that understanding and that picture, we start to understand what God intended for them, and then we can see what he intends for us. So here's what happens. In Exodus 3, the burning bush, Moses appears, or God appears to Moses in the burning bush, and he talks to Moses, and he he tells Moses, you're going to be the one to go and let my people go. And a lot of times, if if you watch movies, the, the story is like Exodus 1 through Exodus 15 when they crossed the Red Sea. But God's promise in Exodus 3 is that the Israelites are his people. They will be my people, and I will take them to the promised land, the land of milk and honey, the land of abundance, this place, the the land of Canaan, the place that he promised Abraham, the place that he promised Isaac, the the place that he promised Jacob. He is now saying, I'm going to bring my people back here. So that was the intention of God when he appeared to Moses, when he told Moses, the people you're taking out of the promised land are going to wind up, or out of, out of Egypt are going to wind up in the promised land. And then, as they go, God gives them the Ten Commandments, and they, he appears to them on Mount Sinai, and all of these things happen. But in the middle of that, we see this amazing promise in Exodus 23. And I bet most of you have never read this. I had never read this until recently, but it's a very funny thing. God tells the Israelites, hey, I'm going to send an angel before you that's going to give you all victory if you will fear and obey me. When you go into the promised land, I'm going to take care of everything for you. And and a few verses later, he says, by the way, I know that you're kind of a a small nation compared to all the nations that you're going into. So I'm going to bring you into the promised land this land of milk and honey, this land of abundance, and I'm going to help you take your territory slowly. And he says, so that the land will still be worked and will not become wild. So basically, he's like, you're eventually going to have all the land I've prepared for you, but you're not big enough for what I have prepared for you. So I'm going to give you what you can take, and then we will slowly move out until you have taken all that I have for you. And that's such an amazing promise. He, he tells them that. And then we get to Leviticus 26. 
Um, and I'm not going to read this, but, but if you ever want to be really nerdy, reading Leviticus 26 is amazing because God says, if you, will, if you will obey me, if you will fear me and my sanctuary, if you will follow my commandments, it will lead to abundant harvest. You will have rain in the season. You will have enough food. You will have too much food. In the years that I tell you not to work, the Sabbath years, you will have so much food at the end of the year, you'll be thinking, what do we do with all this extra food? They'll basically be like modern Americans. They, they will have all of this and they will have more. He also promises deliverance. He says, you won't need a standing army because what you will have is me. One of you will chase away a hundred. Five of you will chase away a thousand. You will have no need for anything. You will have peace in the land and you will have peace with the land from wild beasts. He also says you won't have any disease or sickness among you, and God himself would dwell with his people. Now, in light of, this is Leviticus, this is, this is the first three books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, we're in Leviticus now. In light of that, to me, this sounds a whole lot like Revelation 21 and 22. That promise for the people was supposed to be that. Now, not that they'd be in heaven because they're still in a fallen world and we have to, but we need to recognize that the promises of rest were tied to this picture of God abundantly providing for them in every way if they would just fear him and follow him, if they would obey him and not be afraid. And what's interesting, all of this takes place and then you go to Numbers 13. And Numbers 13 happens after Leviticus 26. And Numbers 13 is when the Israelites send the 12 spies into the land. And they come back, and 10 of them are like, um, they're really big. And, and two of them are like, hey, look at this fruit. We should go take over this land. 10 of them are like, no, we shouldn't. And the people listen to the 10. And they're on the banks of the promised land. They, they just need to go across. And, and they're on the, like, like, how did they get to Egypt? How did they get out of Egypt? God made a way for them to cross the water. And now they're like, we don't want to cross the next one. God's promise for them, God's command to them to go across was, I will take care of it for you. He wasn't saying, you need to know the logistics. He was saying, you guys should just take a step forward. And if you guys would just do that, this is what I have for you. And they said, you know what? We'd rather all die in the wilderness. I mean, they didn't quite say that, but they, they, they actually did say, shouldn't we go back to Egypt? And that was not a good thing to say. And so they all died in the wilderness, and then another generation was raised up who entered. But, but they lost out on rest. They lost out on a promise of being in the promised land with God, God dwelling with them in a place of abundance and, and in a place with right relationship with him, with each other, with no need to fear. And they lost out on that because they feared other things more than God. I think, how can we strive and have rest, have that rest? It's fearing well. Um, and this, is, I know it sounds weird, fearing well. It sounds weird. But when I fear the Lord and put that as my focus, I'm able to rest. I'm able to relax in the fact that nothing I do can change my place before God. And if I recognize his authority, I'm able to relax in that. I'm able to rest in that. I'm able to be comfortable in that. I may not be comfortable in the situation that comes up, but I can step forward in obedience in the present because I know the eternal that's coming. And I can say, God, I, I don't know why 
my child is throwing up every night at 2 a.m. And I don't know why every morning my other child is flipping out. And, and I don't know all of these things, but I know that I'm called right now to be a loving follower of you and to be patient with my wife, who is being very patient with me, by the way. Um, I'm being patient with her by like, I'm just tired and so I'm snapping. But, um, but, but I'm called to fear the Lord and to not worry about me, but instead trust in him and take steps forward and to ask, Lord, what does it look like? to follow you with the next step and the next step and the next step in the present, in the now. And when I fear the Lord, I'm able to do that. And it is a striving, as hard as that is for us to understand. But when I strive in that, I'm already moving in a direction. And when I trust in the Lord as I take that step, I'm able to know that he is guiding it, that he is with me. And that's what he had for Israel in in this picture that they lost. The next question why is that rest tied to the word of God piercing deeper than a sword? Right? That's, that's where we kind of started. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed in the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, this is another instance where the author is assuming we have a really good understanding of Genesis through Deuteronomy, because when it says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed, where do we see creatures hiding, and where do we see naked and exposed? Do you, some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm not, um, like, like eight months ago, I talked about how we need to be naked before each other, and that's good. It's a good thing, but, but right now this is being used. In, in Genesis 2, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he creates man. And how does he create him? He creates him in his image, and he forms them from the dust, and he breathes into the man's nostril, and then from the man's rib he creates the woman. And so we have the man and the woman created in the image of God, and when he creates them, they are naked and we're not ashamed. And they, we know that, that the man was first given work because work is not something that should take us for or away from rest if we're doing it in the Lord. There was no such thing as not resting before Genesis 3. But, but the man had a job. Um, he, he was tending the Garden of Eden that God had placed him in. Um, and then he named all the animals. Um, then the woman came. And they were naked and unashamed, and they were in God's presence, and he walked with them in the cool of the day. And that's the picture that we have of naked and exposed in a good way. And then they eat from the tree. The, the serpent, the beast, the, the craftiest beast, tempts the woman, and the man and the woman who should rule over the beast. The man is standing next to the woman. I always make sure to say that because people think it's Eve's fault, but the dude is standing there, and when he sees that Eve doesn't die, he's like, I'll try that. Um, and, and so they, the immediate thing that happened, then, then their eyes were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. The very first thing they did is they cover themselves in each other's presence. And then almost immediately, and God went to visit them in the cool of the day, and, and they're gone. They're hiding in the bushes. And, and God says, Adam, where are you? And the man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And, and it doesn't really work. God doesn't say, oh, well, I can't find you. I'll go away. 
God, God sees. And when God says, Adam, where are you? And when he says what happens, I think God is giving a chance even from the beginning for repentance. Lord, I did what I shouldn't do. Instead of, Lord, the woman you gave me, let me tell you about her. Lord, the beasts you told us to rule over, let me tell you about them. I, really, I, the, it's, it's just what happened. And so when we read this, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I think it's a call back to Eden. And, and if, if we know the timeline of the Bible well, we know Genesis 1 and 2 is what we're going to see again in Revelation 21 and 22. Now, we'll be wearing white robes in Revelation. We won't be naked. But the idea of us being exposed before God, cut in half like a lemon, like that, that is a reality in which we exist already. And we need to recognize that. And then we need to allow for the word of God to pierce, divide our soul and spirit, our joints and marrow, and discern. It discerns our thoughts and intentions of our heart. It knows when we're following in truth. It knows when we're fearing him, when we're following him in obedience. And so that's how we need to live. We need to let him do that. And we need to step forward and strive to enter in obedience. And, and really... Adam and Eve couldn't get back in, and on our own, we can't get in either, because that's, that's the last thing here. How can we enter, how can we have that rest? And the short answer is Jesus. Um, this passage started, um, Hebrews 3.1 starts off with, consider Jesus, who was a more perfect Moses. He was better than Moses. When we took the bread and the cup, what we are talking about is the sacrifice of Jesus by which our what needed to be cut and exposed of us has been done in him that we could have life in him, that we could have rest in him, that we could have the spirit. Because if we believe that he died for our sins, if we believe he rose again, if we believe he is seated on the throne of glory, if we believe that he is king, our resurrected king, if we believe that, then we have access to rest now. We have access to a spirit now. I, in my own power, cannot take one step forward in obedience to the Lord, but in the Spirit, I can do all things. Hebrews 4, 6 through 7, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, today, sang through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The immediate challenge for all of us today is are we listening for the Spirit when we hear his voice? Are we responding in obedience? If, oh man, um, when I was a young man, I became a believer when I was 10. Um, I heard the gospel presented clearly by a pastor either named Steve or Rich. I can't remember, but I remember very clearly he talked about hell as the absence of God and I said, I don't want that. And so I started asking my parents questions. It was on my birthday, sitting on a waterbed with my little study student Bible. My mom walked me through the fact that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, his son, who died on the cross and rose from the dead, that I could be saved, that we could be saved. And I remember that moment. And I remember, like, I do remember, like, peace for a while. And then I remember as I got older, I'd go, like, I'd, I'd have some good seasons and I'd have bad seasons. And I remember I, I went to this Christian camp every summer. And at the Christian camp every summer, when they did the gospel presentation, I'd be like, I'm going to say that again just in case. Some of you have done this, right? <laughs> like, i be honest, some of you have done this. And then as I got a little bit older, it'd be, I'd say it at the camp 
And then we'd go on a retreat for youth group in the fall, and there'd be a speaker at the retreat who would do a gospel presentation. I'd be like, I'm going to do that again just in case. And then I learned about what rededications were. And I was like, okay, I'll do those instead. But the, the point is, is that for a long time in my life, I associated my peace in God with how many times could I say a certain prayer? How many times could I do a certain thing? And as I got older and began to understand more and more the awesome gift of his body broken, his blood shed on my behalf, his resurrection that, that I might have life, as I began to understand that, I began to recognize that it's, it's not about how many times I say and mean that prayer. It's about the way that I show that in obedience. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you today are not a believer, I would really encourage you at, after this, come talk to me or, or pray even at your seats. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I, there's nothing I can do about that, but you are a king and you came and you died in my place that I might have life in you. You rose again. You're seated in heaven and you invite me to have rest now and for eternity. I, I'd encourage you to pray that Come talk to me. Come, if you're like Matt, you're wearing a mask today. Um, we've got elders here. Look around and say, who's an elder? And one of them will gladly talk to you, I'm sure. But, but don't, don't just move on from this and say, okay, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Believers, believers, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's, it's so easy for us to miss his voice, to not respond to his voice because we're so busy thinking about the future and all the things to come. Uh, thinking about our, I don't know, I don't know what you all think about. I, I think about how are we going to pay the bills? How am I going to mow the lawn? How um, are kids going to get better? Am I going to be up tonight because the kids are um, throwing up again? I, I think about all of those types of things, and th- those things bog me down. I, th- I think about, I, like, I'm a student, and I am very behind at school. I think about how much grace will I get? Um, but I, I think about all of these things, and, and I, I just have to stop and say, Lord, what do you have for me now? And when I slow down, I do a lot better. I am going to confess to all of you something that is super nerdy. When I am very stressed out, I like to get games on my cell phone and play games I've already beaten before because I feel good re-beating them. Um, and, and this week, on like Sunday, no, Monday, um, I told my accountability person, hey, I really want to download a game. It seems like I'm going to stay home all week with my sick kids, and I I just need something to zone out. And so I downloaded a game. And Monday, I think every time the kids and Jess were asleep, I had a whole lot of work to do, but I was like, I'm just going to play this game because it feels good to do something I can control, and I'm zoning out, and all that. And then Tuesday, I had this, like, conviction moment in the morning because I woke up early and um, Levi was asleep, and Jess was asleep, and our, our shower is attached, like it's right next to Levi's crib, and I was like, I don't want to go in there and wake him up, but I really want to shower, so I'm just, so I just started playing the video game again, instead of doing anything productive. I didn't want to get out of bed, because our house is old and creaks, and I didn't want to wake Levi, so, so I didn't want to wake, Le- wake Levi up, and what did I do? I just sat there playing a video game, and all of a sudden, it was like a while of playing that video game, and everyone was still asleep, and so I was like, well, I'm going to delete this game. I'm done with this game. And then like a day later, I was like, well, I need something to zone out to. And so I asked my, I have an accountability, I don't download things on my phone without talking to someone about it. Um, So I asked the person and they, okay. And so I re-downloaded the game. And this time I put a restriction of two hours on the game. And two hours later, I could no longer play the game. That's how long it lasted. And I was like, oh, 
I have things I need to be doing, but I was so stressed out about all the things that I needed to get done. Do you you hear how silly this sounds? I know. And so then I deleted the game again. And then the next day, hey, I think if I don't start the game until after the kids go to bed, it'll be okay. And so all of a sudden, I've deleted the game four times in a week, trying to find the boundaries of which I can zone out and do what I want to do Even as I'm feeling this conviction from the Lord as I'm playing, like, do you really need this? Everybody, it is a game that I have beat many times that I was, oh, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. As I say it, I'm just, it's silly. And here I am stressed out about 400 things. I could have built a lawnmower in that time from the directions of the lawnmower in the box. But I I say this jokingly, but, but really what I could have done is said, Lord, Lord, I need you. I could have started praying to the Lord and saying, Lord, I Lord, I'm really stressed out. I have so many things on my plate. There was a while where, like, our, our staff, we were, I don't, I don't even know how to, the, the language I was about to use wasn't good, but essentially it was like, so Rich is on vacation. Joseph and I are trying to figure out, well, who's going to preach today? And we're, we're going back and forth, like, well, we'll, we'll figure it out, because I, I was on the schedule, and Joseph's like, well, are you going to be there? And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to plan on being there, and I'm talking to my doctor, and all, but I'm so stressed out about all these things, I'm like, I'll just worry about everything later as I'm worrying about it as I'm not doing it, as I'm thinking, oh, later on. But, but I hope you hear this. It is the least restful thing when in those moments, the Lord was saying, hey, slow down, talk to me, be with me, enter my rest, because it's a rest we have now in the present. This is one of the great mysteries of the gospel that is not a mystery, but it is a mystery. We do not understand time the way God understands time, but when God sees me, as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, when he sees me because of the blood of Jesus, because of my faith in Jesus, because of his spirit in me, his blood covers my sin, because I have been made a child of God by God. When he sees me, he see me, sees me as a masterpiece. That's in Ephesians 2. He sees me as complete. He sees me as his son. He loves me. And I still sin and I still don't live up. But someday I will in eternity. And that is such an awesome promise. And if I could just live in that now, God has given me his spirit that I could take that step forward in obedience and I could look like his son here and now. And you can do the same thing. I have one last C.S. Lewis quote because I gave all the negative ones from the Screwtape letter. But here, he talks about God and he says, God would therefore have them continually concerned either with eternity, which means being concerned with him, or the present, either meditating on their eternal union with or separation from himself, or else obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, giving thanks for the present present pleasure. I, I love this quote so much because resting is in the moment saying, God, you look at me and love me. You, the only person who I have to fear judgment from, sent your son that I might not be judged if I believe in you. And I want to step forward in that. I want to walk in obedience. I want to hear your voice today. And I want to not harden my heart. I want to obey. I want to enter your rest now and for eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the amazing gift that we have in your son, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed. We thank you that he is greater than Moses. We thank you that he is greater than the angels, that he's greater than any 
who have ever lived, that he is you and your perfect image. And we thank you that through him, we who are made in your image can look like you again through your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would be those who rest in you, that we would take, forward, take steps forward as we, as we think about our present, as we think about what you would have for us today, that we would not get bogged down thinking about what is to come, but we would listen for your voice now and step forward today, tomorrow, each day. And we thank you that we can reflect on eternity, that we can reflect on our union with you for eternity. We thank you just again and again that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today as he will be forever. We thank you that that is a truth in which we live. We pray now that we would not be those who are bogged down by the world, but that we would put our trust and our hope in you, that we would fear only you, that we would follow after you, and we just thank you that you've given us your spirit, that we could be obedient to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand together one more time in body or in spirit. Let's respond to this word we have received this morning and express this truth, how sweet it is to trust in Jesus.
Thank you so much for spending this morning with us in worship. I pray now that you will go in the rest and peace of the Lord Jesus. Have a blessed, blessed week in him, and we will see you next Sunday.